I don't know how Betty knew about this for a week. I wasn't prepared. Even a two buck Chuck from 7-Eleven. <laughs> so Jamie, this is to you, us. You know, <laughs> cheers to know, my the cold beer is amazing. First of all, my cold, cold beer is amazing. You know, well, cheers that's to like you. A, that's like a mom fail. Like, I forgot the wine. I forgot the wine. <laughs> you but know, I feel like you can to me. And, uh, dude, I've been on, like, my super diet, too. <laughs> You're on a diet in quarantine. That is so insane to me. I, like, have to talk myself off a ledge to not eat chips every second of the day. No, oh, see, I, like, you know, people have said that to me. They're like, oh, my big problem is snacking all day. I'm bored. Today at 5 o'clock, I was bored. No other reason I wasn't hungry. See? Drink water. See, I'm on the yeah. opposite tip. So my, my schedule went from like sustainable, busy to what the fuck. It went from like the super busy being a teacher to like like crazy. I know, and it's it's sort of like you have eight million jobs. You especially have eight million jobs in quarantine, but like I also have eight million jobs in quarantine and I live alone. Like I'm so busy. I forget to like I have my water I have my tea I have like my pre pre-made you know I have my my food that I stock up that I make on Sundays and Mondays but yeah man it's it's wild good, you're good yeah friends of mine have said like oh I really love like you know the privilege of like cooking for myself and like feeding myself and I'm just like here's the, here's the problem when it's only one or two of you you, you there's no recipe for one you have no variety so if you make that one dish that you love or like whatever you're making it for four or five so now you got four or five containers in the fridge of the same shit that you made on Sunday so it's like oh, wow. yeah, it was good on Sunday but it ain't that good on Wednesday so like like you, you have to, how do you make the portions? All the recipes are for four. <laughs> yeah, you get bored. But see, you know, I grew up with my mom cooking one big thing on Sunday, and then we're eating that until like at least Wednesday. Thursday, <laughs> she, might, Thursday she might cook again. And then Friday is, you know, every man for themselves. You know, into Saturday we might eat out. Then Sunday we might do that cycle again. But no, I got older. Every, she was like, I'm with y'all day i cook every day because i have three kids or sometimes i have a boyfriend so it's like cook I'm cooking. i cook every day i make the banana chocolate chip pancakes in the morning you know what i oh, do see, no, you're doing too much see no <laughs> banana chocolate chip pancakes like oh, man, too. like i take the banana and i and i crush it and then my but then my youngest son doesn't like any of that so it's like i gotta make him like breakfast tacos and then for lunch no you're like spaghetti with a homemade meat sauce and then well, see, dinner, now you're setting yourself up for familiar with all that damn cooking like <laughs> there's no way like why also like how no do you way. expect them to ever go have wine no one will awesome. ever live up to this standard that you're setting you're they setting don't all like, other women up to fail they don't want to go out and eat like oh and on school stuff i'm so harsh i'm like dude you got to get it done like what are you going to do like you got to study you got to read they hate reading and writing. I'm like, let me tell you the one thing that's applicable. And I'm like, dude, social studies and science, it's just so you can have conversations with people. Like, right, you should know like American history or like how like, um, how countries became whatever. 
science. It's like, okay, you learn how like grass grows and you're pouring water and it sh- fucking shit grows more. I was like, I was like, English, you have to be able to read and interpret what <laughs> you have to speak to respond back to people. Did I, did I tell you guys I got all my kids about not knowing how to write a letter? I was like, they got an email. And then my son's like, oh. I was like, yeah, respond. He's like, like how? Like a letter. This is an electronic letter. Ele- email, electronic mail. That's what, it's, that's what it stands for. And I was like, hello, reading. Body, I'm like, no, yo, did, you learn, did you learn this shit in school? Because if you haven't, I'm going to walk up to that school and be like, yo, I need them to learn the basics in life. Well, I mean, I think that we're teaching it, but it's like at the last minute, they're, they're springing this new form of communication on these kids. Like kids only Damn. heard about their parents. You know, they felt like only the adults needed emails and all that kind of stuff. Like now, uh, now these kids have to kind of know. My best friend had to like set me straight. She's like, Betty, how old are your kids? I was like, nine, 11, 12. She goes, when the first time you write a fucking email? I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, I had a typewriter. I still know how to write a letter on a typewriter. You have to teach juniors how to write a proper email. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like some, so I've, I've worked with some people who I'm just like, you graduated from a good university and that's how yeah. you send a business email? Are you out of your fucking mind? That's what I'm saying. But then don't you feel judgy though? Don't you feel like... No, like, it's our job to teach them, no. but I also sometimes think, like, have some common sense and don't be a fool. But I mean, yeah. you know, common sense ain't too common, but it's, uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's not so common. <laughs> you have to take the initiative at some point in your life, career, whatever it is behind of your actions and the things that you want to know. So you might not know how to write a good email, but you know what? I'm going to go use Google search. How do I write? Yeah, I have Google, Google growing up. Examples, and I'm going to cut and paste and take this one and be like, okay, that sounds good. And make it There was no Google. There was no Wikipedia. There was none of that shit growing up. So it's like, my kids have all the tools. And I'm like. So, so I remember in university, Wikipedia was just starting to like become a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember using it and like citing it as like our source in my university paper. And uh, my professor was like, no, like, no, that's not my source. <laughs> no. I never did that again, but I remember just being like, yeah, I got it from Wikipedia. Like, of course. Yeah, no, God. Oh, man. <laughs> and that's how I ended up working in the cannabis industry. from wikipedia to cannabis (laughs) always on the cutting edge of what is not acceptable and taking shortcuts of course yeah yeah for real for real right oh my god no i fell into it man it wasn't no my brother smoked a lot of weed though did i ever tell you that story where like, because my parents are, like, from Vietnam, and they, uh, obviously, they immigrated here, so English is definitely their second language, but my brother and I, we were raised, we grew up in Inglewood, so it's like, we kind of, we grew up around a lot of things, and uh, I must have been 12, I don't even remember how old it was, but my, my mom did the laundry, and it must, it, it was an eight, I don't know what it was, but literally, she opened up the washing machine, and there were leaves everywhere in the washing machine. She about done lost her mind. She she then grabbed my brother's back then it was a, maybe it was an Xbox. I don't even know what it was. It was a gaming console. Took a hammer 
and smashed it. And I've never seen someone feel so happy about smashing a gaming console. <laughs> and I was just stood there. I was like, uh, I was like, Savage. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to my room now. And she's screaming at my brother. And my brother is like trying to tell her that it was something like a plant. And she's like, I know what that shit is. <laughs> just because I don't speak English doesn't mean I don't know what that shit is. That was my first encounter with Wii. That right there was never, because he used to always look hot. I was like, dude, like, I know we have, like, squinty eyes, but, like, your eyes are always so squinty. Like, can you open them? Like, I, like, I don't really know. And I just thought that was him. And then, like, other times his eyes were, like, wide. Like, you know, normal Asian people. Like, but then when he got high, they got really squinty. And I was like, dude, I was 12, so I didn't really get it. Like, I was listening to all this hip-hop, but I didn't. It didn't, it didn't all correlate my mind. And then when my mom fucking imploded, I was like, oh, that's what he said. Jamie, how about you? When was your first experience? Oh, that sounds so in intriguing, my first experience. Um, you gotta get off the house. <laughs> I know, for real, I gotta leave this house. I gotta, I gotta go, yeah. I gotta get out of here, guys. <laughs> but anyway, um, I have two memorable moments around my first encounters with weed. I remember being 17 and being in New York City with like my brother and family friends and going to see the band Fish, which is like, if you know me, like not in my repertoire of like things that I would ever go or do. I but I was 17. Who they are. Oh, Fish Jam Band. They're like, Fish is. PH, like they have, like they have like an in insane following and like a very loyal following, like Grateful Dead-esque type of audience. And this was their comeback show. They had gone on hiatus and they did this like comeback. And it was at Madison Square Gardens and I was 17 in New York and New Year's Eve with my family and family friends. And I remember getting really high that night with them and being like, whoa, like what is going on? on like this like just like wide-eyed wonderment and then but I just never really like like fucked around with weed like it just it wasn't that I was against it it just I I don't know I just never really like I think it was just in around my house it was never a big deal so I was never interested in like weed or drinking to be honest with you because like my parents never made it a big deal <laughs> and then when I was 19, 18, my dad got sick and a friend of mine like rolled me a joint because I like had such terrible anxiety. And I just remember it was like the first time that I could like, after I smoked that joint, I could like think like clearly, like it just sort of like made everything sort of like go away, all the noise go away. And it just was like, really helped me and like that's really like how I started smoking weed and I find it really interesting because I've been smoking weed now for like I don't know like 15 16 years like every day I've smoked a joint for the last 15 years and I think people meet me like prior to being in cannabis and like I've always had like a really interesting life and a very varied career and done cool shit. And I think people are like, wait a minute, <laughs> you're a stoner? <laughs> like what? That doesn't compute. 
Um, in LA, it's just so, I don't know, it's just so, everybody, at least when I was climbing up the tonal pole, everybody was just doing it. Well, music. LA culture is very different though than Toronto culture. And Toronto's only now just had its like glow up. It's like a Drake glow up. So like now it's interesting, but it was never like the uh, uh, cultural hub for like cannabis, especially. Yeah. I guess as as the youngest, you know, I'm always the late bloomer to 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 the party of everything. I think my first time experiencing cannabis was my freshman year in college, going to an HBCU and being in a friend's room and be like, oh, we have to roll up. I'm like, roll up what? Like, I've never seen weed, smelt weed, like none of this. Like, ironically, the first time I partake was on a 420. Ooh, how festive of you. Right? (laughs) And then after that, it was like, oh, we're in the studio. We're vibing. We're creating. We're getting things done type of thing. And then I think when I moved to L.A., it was just in the land of opportunity. And it was like, oh, a dispensary? What is a dispensary? Like, you have to get your, your, your medical license at the time and go in and experience it. And it was like, oh you know you've seen all these jars and you're like wait a minute like you're in a candy store it's literally like oh my god like i need to taste and smell and try everything like what is that like cypress hill and snoop dogg and all those guys and they were touring in la and having all their shows so it was like it was around it was just always around there was no like weird taboo thing when you're back to traveling it's gonna be your insta story is gonna be special i'll tell you that i know that my yeah, you're not letting me leave my tomorrow. house forever. Like y'all ain't no way. Like, there's no way. You're you're like on lockdown for another month at least. Oh, it's bananas. But I think our second wave and our third wave is gonna be less than yours. I'm no, I'm in Texas, so the, the things are reopened. No, people in Texas are like, fuck it. Are you like about the, are you out are you guys out and about doing things? Are you guys of the mindset I'm sitting my ass in the house? Sitting my ass in the house. It's in the middle. We're in the middle. I run outside anyway. It's you know, it's a little different here though. The the case numbers are low. Running is fine. They say it's better to be out so that if anything goes, it has somewhere to go. Instead yeah. of like being in an enclosed space. But you know what it is? Like I've worked from home before for a long time so this whole the only thing that i'm not doing is getting on a plane all the time but like i've been on a plane since this whole thing has happened a couple times you know like you just got to take your precautions i know we talked about this betty when this all started that you were not doing the mask thing did you do the mask thing on the plane uh i have a scarf now i have a scarf now (laughs) so i was like yo but jamie you should know i was like yo i cannot be the asian person i guess on a plane with the mask because everybody's gonna look at me because i went to super bowl and that was when it was like starting to become a thing, right? So I got on the plane to Super Bowl. Some people had masks on, some people didn't. And I was like, yo, I straight up, I'm the Asian person. I can't be walking up on a plane with a mask. People are going to stare at me. What if I like, like even a slight little cough? So at that time, what was that, February? I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Dude, fast forward to March, it was like, shit, everybody's putting a mask on. So I actually have a, bo- a box of masks. And I have my, like, a travel scarf that I put over my face. 
I need to order you. Hold on, I'll show you. So I, I figured when I make my debut in public that I'm going to need a... This is not about you, girlfriend. When she, Tyra, when she's able to go out when I'm able to leave my house again, a two block radius needs to be on alert, okay? Because yeah. she is on the house. Two block radius on alert, like she's gotta go right into the bar. It's game over. It's game over. Inside that bar. So I ordered. I ordered a designer mask. Of course you did. Now, are they coordinating to outfits? Are they going to be, like, do you have enough to match with outfits and make this an accessory trend? You're breathing your own breath, so it gets hot, so you have to This is going to be my, this is going to be my date mask. Okay. Okay. And do you have another? The best thing about this whole mask thing is that people who had hot-ass breath that you could, that you were dipping and dodging and all those things, now can realize, like, oh, shit, like, I have something that's living in my mouth that is really foul. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. That's true. That is true. Like. Yo, but, like, if you have a mask on and you walk up into a bank, like. No, look at the time we're in. They're like, put a bandana on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a bandana on and walk up into a bank. Get out of here. No. Drive you got to get bouquet bandanas. Oh, I'd be down for those. I Dude, of course I'd be down. Send them to clients. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about this trend now of brands and everybody making this, uh, I don't want to say a capitalistic thing, but I feel like... I'm into it. To be honest with you, we are in unprecedented times, and I think that you have to really see what's in front of you and, like, hope that, like, hope you can grab it, right? Like... We had a client call today. And the economy, like with the economy the way it is, like legal legalization of weed may come sooner to kick back the economy. Federal legalization may come Facts. sooner than people think for the sheer fact to kickstart the economy. Dude, Facts. like how many people are unemployed right now? Well, I don't even remember the number. It was something thirty un- million, thirty million people. Unbelievable. Like and it's like something like the millions of people per day that are, are applying. So you look, you look at Canada, right? And Canada now will be federally legal. October will be two years. And they've essentially, we have, we have enough data over the last two years of like what federal, I believe, of what like federal legalization looks like and how to create a template for other countries. And like, the government deemed it an essential service, like in a pandemic, they're making money off of it very clearly. And it's it's definitely advantageous for them to, to capitalize on it. But like uh, the world is going into, not a recession, the world is going into a depression and like governments are going to need ways, creative ways to bring cash in. And federal legalization of cannabis is like low hanging fruit. It's, Simple. It's so easy. Could you imagine, like, if they deemed alcohol non-essential? Precisely. Somebody told me today on a call that they couldn't close the LCBO, which is the Canadian, the Ontario Liquor Board, that, that, like, sells 
the, basically the only place to buy liquor and wine and uh, beer. It's all under one umbrella. Um, but they couldn't close it and had to deem it an essential service because they were worried that the number of alcoholics with withdrawals would clog up the healthcare system if they shut off the supply. Wow. So like, if, if that doesn't say something to you about like alcohol and how poison it is for us, like they're really worried about people smoking fucking weed or like eating an edible, like calm down. Yeah, California deemed it essential. I know that. California like, did, yep. It was essential in California. I mean, look, man, people got vices. People got vices. They need like, yeah. if you but, but, let's, but let's also be real too i don't think why they deemed it as essential businesses and dispensaries saw an uptick in business i don't think they were the winners in this it was the street street guys to be honest because when you look at the taxes and the amount of money that you pay when you go into a dispensary it is astronomical it is astronomical i only go to the distance the dispensary if i'm going for a tincture a vape and something edible. specific Something specific that flower. medicinal, but flour? Oh hell no! I would not give them my money. Yeah, but flour. So one, flour is a commodity, I think, um, and it is going to be the commodity. California is a whole different fucking market because every there's so much like opportunity for craft there. There's so many micro grows. There's so much like same with wine. Like so much like deliciousness to like soak up that you don't need to necessarily go through legal channels to be able to like get really dang fucking great weed um ontario is different like i feel like there's still i used to get such good weed delivered to my door like oh great crystally beautiful stuff and like government weed is just garbage Trash. like it's it's just it's like, and, and so the price is, like, I get it. They, like, margins and this and that and all of, but, like, Gosh. how dare you charge me for a premium product and give me a subpar product? It's literally, like, That's saying to me, I, here's Vogue Clicquot. <laughs> like, I'm selling you Vogue Clicquot. This is the price. But, in fact, it's Prosecco from nowhere in France. Like, it's sparkling wine. <laughs> But you know what? And what makes you even makes it even worse? It's like an exact three point five grams. Like even when I was in California, I was living kind of was medicinal. It was it was such a vibe. You would go in, you have a vibe with your butt tender. They would give you this a little extra love. You throw some and like it was a thing. You understand culture though. So like that's that's the part of it that I don't think these cannabis brands necessarily understand or have a finger a pulse on is the culture of cannabis. So like even though it's a brand new category and nobody like we are living in the first time where you have options and opportunity in one store to differentiate one like a thing a brand a product from weed like you want to talk about WAPA as a strain. I can think of six licensed producers right now who produce WAPA. You want OG Kush. You want, like, I love any fucking tangy. Like, oh my God, I cookies, die for especially. Sorry? I said cookies, especially. Like, ever since these rappers started talking about cookies, yeah. cookies, the, the, the good like, cookies. <laughs> to find a good cookie, oh my God. Like, Louis the Thirteen when I first moved to LA, was so good. I couldn't yep. tell you. I have not had a good Louis the Thirteenth 
Okay, so I, I was going, I was going broke buying all this government weed in this pandemic because I was like, how the fuck am I gonna get weed? I don't know what to do. I haven't lived in Toronto in so long. Like I don't even know who to call. And so I ordered a whole bunch of government weed, and I was like, some of it was okay. Like, the weed that she's talking about. <laughs> some of it was okay. Some of it was trash. I'm not gonna lie, trash. And then it just like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna buy an ounce of this cheap weed. So I've been smoking this garbage weed and it's not even so garbage. I'm just fucking sick of the flavor. I'm like sick of it. And it's like- That's how you know it's garbage because if it was good, it would be getting better as the days got garbage. <laughs> the flavor, I'm just like- The disgust in your, in your face says it all, boo. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know what it feels like? It feels like I bought two buck chuck expecting fucking a Barolo from somewhere <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm mad at myself, to be honest with you. I'm actually, I'm shocked that you did that. <laughs> Listen, desperate measures. times come from desperate measures, I guess. <laughs> Listen, like, you do what you gotta do. Some some brands don't send me weed anymore. <laughs> Literally what differentiates me from everybody is like all this edible, all this other stuff. Like, yeah, it's nice, whatever. I'm not the target. I want beautiful, squishy, good flower that's gonna get me high as a kite. And you can roll it up. That I wanna roll it up. No, for real, because like I like, well now we're all in this weird world of no sashes, but like I love Sharing a joint, it's like a, like a tactile, post-corona, I was a bong smoker back in the day. But oh, like, I hate a bong. Post I do not like a bong. It's not ladylike. I used to have like all the glass pipes, like different glass pipes. But in the age of corona, now you roll up a joint. Do you pass it around to you, like your 10 homies? First of all, I was never passing it to my 10 homies anyway. So we we, we already established that. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, I'm not one of those persons that brings weed for everybody. Fuck that. No, I smell too good as shit. <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Depends where I'm going. So if I'm going out, I'll roll like three joints, two joints, like just to have. I don't like ever bringing loose flour anywhere. But I'll always share. I have no problem sharing. Um, now, will you? No, fuck no. Just so no. they put their mouth on it and then no. take it back. No. Hell no. It will, it, I'm telling you, the shit, when everyone comes out of quarantine, shit's going to change, man. Like It's going to forever change how we interact. Festivals. But, see, but the thing is, though, I won't show up to the sesh with my own stuff and not bring something to the sesh for the group. Just simply because I know my tolerance might be different. So mm -hmm. I'm always going to bring something to the sesh, even when it's different. And oh, I'm with my close friends. Like, I'm going to bring something I'm going to smoke for myself. But yeah. for the group, I might bring an edible. I might bring a, a beverage. I might bring, you know, some flour. The leftover cheap government weed. Bring that. <laughs> Dude, you really hate that weed, man. I hate that weed. <laughs> so salty over this weed. I'm dead. You're so salty over this weed. I don't know why I'm surprised. It's like, I don't know 
why I'm surprised. Come on now, you know once anything gets regulated, like the good shit goes out the window. No, but I think I think as like you know. Whatever makes you feel better, talk it through. Let's go. Let's go through the. No, no, for real. I think that you know Canada was really interesting in like how these cannabis companies came to be because they all went out and they raised a gajillion dollars and they thought that the cash flow would never end and that there would always be capital and they invested heavily in like very strange things in my opinion um you know they invested in all these greenhouses and like greenhouses grow not to say that you can't grow good weed there i guess but like you want to talk about like fucking incredible weed you look to different parts of the like the world you look to obviously bc you can grow the best in the interior like some of the best weed in the world and that's like legacy of course you look in california and then you look around the world so you look at like other countries where like you potentially could do interesting things so like malta's one where there's a lot happening lebanon it has just legalized medical marijuana and like again these are all places that like if you knew then what we know now of course i get it um and like they 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 built a regulated system sure but like what they didn't factor in and this is the most frustrating part to me is that like you can get people to buy something once to get people to buy something two three four times five times six times become brand loyal really really fuck with your brand really like your product first and foremost you have to put out a good product and i think part of the the problem is that you know the industry is run by a lot of people who quite frankly don't understand good product and what good product in cannabis looks like because they don't really get cannabis they don't really get who consumes it and why like the culture behind it like the culture behind being like a flower smoker and like knowing what you're looking for and like what we'll pay for and so like it's just frustrating uh, uh, tangent. I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. Are we more critical because we are in a space we, we're not the typical consumers? Are we harder on them because we're not the typical consumer? Sometimes it's hard for me to not like look at every intricate part of what a brand is doing. Like, what is that packaging? What is that price for? How is this? How is that? How is their consistency? Like, it's so hard to like separate the two for me and because I'm always. But you know, good beat. Right. Like, I, I, I want to try new things and I'm like a curious kid and I want to try this and what's that and I want to be what, but at the same time I'll be like but wait a minute your inconsistency is this and blah, 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 and I don't like that. Yeah but Tyra they're not going after you like I remember I remember <laughs> chatting with Does one brand. Know? How can someone like, go after someone like me? Like we're all. No what I mean by that is like they're not going after people who smoke weed. They're going after people who have never smoked weed or know nothing about weed and are going to like pay premium prices for subpar products um and be become brand loyal because this is the first time that cannabis has ever been brandable you know what i mean like i remember talking to i think it was steezy this is like a year ago year and a half ago just thinking about that and and i remember i remember the guy there saying to me he's like i don't know we just go after people who smoke weed and 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 i understand that like fully but to me there's a whole other market out there like if 20 percent of the world smokes cannabis to me that means there's 80 percent 
who don't. So instead of changing the minds of the 20%, I'm going to go after the 80%. So that's why the products don't have to be that good because no one knows anything, but they're going to have to get better as people get educated and we start getting cannabis snobs and we start getting cannabis sommeliers, but like worldwide, not just localized California or Colorado or Oregon. But think about alcohol, like Sincaro. Sincaro is like this bougie tequila brand. Like, do you need another tequila brand? Actually, you probably do, because when I was in Vegas in March, someone's, I was like about to drink Casamigos or 1942. They're like, yo, you got to try Sincaro. And I was like, I want to try Terramana. Terramana is the I fuck with anything thing. that The Rock fucks. First of all, that's delicious. Sincaro's delicious too. Like, mm. is there room for more tequila? Yeah, because, because yeah. people, no, I don't want to like drink cheap vodka. Like, dude, the fucking days of Popop are gone. No one wants to drink like, like at least people my age don't want to drink cheap because like the next day you feel like fucking. You feel it. I would hang over. But when I drink high end tequila, I'm fine the next day. I'm totally. You crazy James, we need to talk about is the connection between the three of us and how this started, so to speak. How oh my god, started there. We were gonna be like, I guess it started with Betty. It it's all so starts with all roads start with Betty. It all starts with me. Yeah, well, what am I Yeah, how about? we ended up here. You know what it is? It's so I've been God, I ran marketing for a bunch of different places um until 2016. And then from 2016 I went from LA to Austin just because it was better for my kids, closer to my family, stuff like that. But I always, and I was just freelancing. It was just me being like a CMO for other people. And people, I just kept getting business, just like random calls. And like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just like, yeah, I'll do this and I'll go sell here. And then, and then it became, well, I'm just hiring my friends to do shit because they're basically hiring me to run marketing and their strategy and the execution. Then it was like, it, then... You know, I took the job to be CMO at FIVO, but I always said to Ari, who's an amazing CEO, I was like, yo, I got to have my side hustle. I, I'm going to have an agency in, in cannabis. He was like, do you just get your job done? And I was like, cool. Well, that's interesting. Then um, I, my friend and my good friend Nelson um, knows our mutual friend, Bruce Wayne. Yes, Bruce Wayne. Uh, with two N's, and he was a producer, and I was out with Nelson, and he was like, oh, I just partnered up with, like, Acme, and I was like, oh, that sounds dope, like, who's your person? He's like, Bruce Wayne, I was like, there's only one person I know named Bruce Wayne, and not in DC Comics, but, like, I was like, does he own a library company? And he was like, yes, so I literally text Bruce in the middle of this dinner, I'm like, yo, bro, like, congratulations, blah, blah, he's like, yo, I've been meaning to connect with you, so we connect, and I meet Bruce and George, and they're, I'm talking about all my hustles, like music, gaming, this, cannabis, blah, like FIVA, and they're like, yo, the, the market that you should like go into is cannabis, because I had done the marketing for the Emerald Cup, which was very eye-opening to see the cannabis business in its infancy, right? And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I was like, well, I need the pieces. Like, I know all these people, they know I can execute, but like, yo, that's a lot of work. Do I really want to do that? And then it was like, yeah, we're going to hook you up. Bruce hooks me up with Tyra. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
yo, I don't have to do everything. That's amazing. Then it's like, I'm getting bombarded with emails and I'm like, yo, you know who's a social butterfly? Because I'm naturally an introvert. People don't realize it. My boyfriend tell you that all the time. I'm naturally an introvert. Like I don't, it's part of my job to go out and network and all that shit. But like, I'm naturally an introvert. So I'm like, yo, who's an extrovert? And then Jamie and I, I was consulting for Mary Jane and Jamie was working there. And I was like, yo, I don't know if this place is going to work out for you, but I love your energy and your vibe. And like, we're going to fuck with each other later in the future. And then that's how it all came to be. Isn't that wild? If you think about like, it was wild. My, the journey to get here was wild because it was like everyone for a long time, long time, my mentors and everybody was like, you should own your own business. And I was like, no, I just was always a good lieutenant. Like I always felt that like, I'm a good lieutenant. I'll get shit done. Aria Fivo gave me that opportunity to be like a great lieutenant, but also gave me the opportunity to then own my own agency. He's like, dude, own your agency. What are you doing? You're like, you want to make money? Go hustle. I was like, yeah. And, and then it was like Bruce and George and all these people are like, dude, you can do this if you have the right team. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's scary though. It's scary, it's, right? It was yeah. scary. And then it's like, and then it's like, as I started doing this, I was like, you only want to work with people that like, the more I work with people that I love, the more like the hours don't really mean anything to me, right? Like people are always asking me like, dude, how do you work so many hours? I'm like, I don't even look at it as that. The shit I do for FIBO is great. The shit like we do for our clients is great, right? Like Tyra's doing work with me off FIBO too. Like we're, like, we're all in this happy family. And like, I, to me, it just doesn't feel like I'm sitting at my desk fucking like this sucks. I saw us yelling at me and shit like that. It's not like that. With Bouquet, it was like, it just, I got nudged in the right direction for what everyone could see except myself. And then when I finally was like, okay, like, I think I can do this. Then it's like bringing on like your squad. It's just like, and it's like figuring that shit out. So like, like today, I think Jamie, we had like a really, like Tyra and I have been going through the grind since like God, since like we started this whole thing. We met in November. <laughs> yeah, we've been through this crazy grind. I think today, like you and I hit a good, cause like Jamie's like, what am I doing? Like I need like, I got like, I gotta keep busy. It's just like her like social life. Like what, what's happening, what's happening? And like today we had a really good call. And like, I was like, yo, that's, that's the shit. That's where you shine. Like. She was just going on the strategy conversation. Okay, what do we do next? And blah, blah, blah. Let me get this together for you. But I was like, yo, she, let me just get off the phone. Thank God. Thank you, G. <laughs> See, and I love figuring it out. Like that's, to me, my, one of my favorite parts of like the sales strategy. How to, it's like, it's a bit of a game, right? Because you got to figure out what's the right questions to ask? How am I going to ask them? How am I going to ask them without offending somebody? How do I ask them also for their money and for their business and be confident enough to be able to deliver on what I'm asking for? Yeah. And when you know, like, and none of that matters if you have no chemistry, but like we, the call today, the three of us had such good chemistry and he was like so willing to give information that in my mind, I was like, a uh, pleasure. Like this is, if I can do a call like this, 10 of these a day, business is good. But it's also for me, it's like, 
when you have a good team, you don't need to be on calls all the time. Like, I think I missed a call. I was texting Tyra. I was like, yo, I can't make this call. Like, but I think this is all you anyway. Um, I'm like, are you good if I don't join it? It's like, fine, right? Like, you have to have that trust. And like, I see my other friends who run businesses where everything funnels through them. I'm not going to name the company. Where everything funnels. Yeah, you're going to be pulling your hair out and it's all a bottleneck. Yeah. You can't micromanage everything. And like, you can't do that. Then like, you hired the wrong people. Like, I can't, there's no way I would be able to do all of this if I didn't have good people. Right. And it's like, it's tough. I came from a school of like, you know, it's different because I'm on the, I'm on the older scale and <laughs> the school that I came you from. You still look 21 though. I thank you. This is my no makeup gym look. Um, I come from the school. Dude, I was an assistant at a movie studio. Dude, you want to talk about, yo, you're somebody's bitch. Get me coffee. Fucking get my breast milk out the fridge. Pay your dues. I can't even tell you all the shit I had to do. Damn. And, like, if you didn't book the calendar right, you were going to get lit the fuck up. Like, that's how it was. They'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. Dude, if, if you talk like that today, someone out there is going to cry and sue your ass. Like, like, I, like, and I can't, I can't have that because, one, I curse a lot. Two, I'm also, like, tough love. Like, it was funny. I think I, I, I said, I was like, my, my son did something. And someone was like, wow, you you light your kids up like you would light me up if I fucked up. I'm like, yeah, equal opportunity, man. Like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like tough love though. It's like, I don't ask people to do anything that I wouldn't do. Does that make sense? Like, and so for me, bouquet, it's like, yo, I get to like work with my homies. We get to have a good time. And like, we love what we do. Like, right. So it's like, it, to me, it was a no brainer, but I had to be nudged to it. And I had to figure out, who was going to get along with who, right? Like, yo, do all these personalities got to mesh? Because, you know, it's a thing. It's like a thing and like, if people don't mesh. Well, we're like a really um, multicultural family over here. We're like a bunch of different colors. <laughs> well, we sure no, pun are. no pun intended. We'll get into that on the next podcast. There's a couple hot topics. 